Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Our guest today, one of the greats, Barry Hearn. Um, I find Barry hugely inspiring. Uh, Barry came from very little... And worked his way up, uh, met a snooker player called Steve Davis, uh, in my opinion, one of Britain's greatest ever sports stars. Uh, the two of them were then unknown, and they would hustle in the pubs and clubs playing snooker uh, before Steve, still in his uh, early 20s, would become a world snooker champion with Barry, his manager, um, guiding him through the 80s. It was a, 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 a partnership made in heaven. And Barry Hearn, as I tell him, is probably the most charismatic person I've ever met. He was having none of it. <laughs> Pure Baz. Uh, but no, he is. He absolutely is. And as, as Barry says in this chat, uh, the darts player Phil the Power Taylor once said uh, that when... When Barry walks into a room, it feels like a light is being turned on. And I, I would wholeheartedly agree. So Barry is just packed with wisdom. Wisdom falls off him. As you can tell, I love the bones of Barry Hearn, a hugely inspiring character. Uh, if you are from, I know I talk about being working class a lot on this podcast. If you're from a working class background and you have a voracious work ethic and you, you know, really want to better yourself. I personally, you know, I feel that perhaps the meaning of life is self-betterment. And if, if you agree, then Barry Hearn, I think, is pretty much the ultimate role model. Everything the guy Touches turns to gold. He would disagree and point out a couple of things that didn't turn to gold. But for me, that that merely adds to the magic. You know, he learned from things that uh, didn't go his way. But I tell you what, the wins far outweigh the losses. Uh, his impact on snooker profound. His impact on darts profound. I mean, you know, I'm old and I'm old enough and bald enough to remember darts being uh, a, a fairly niche pub sports. Thanks to Barry Hearn. You now it is now synonymous with uh, a rocking Alexander Alexandra Palace, um, just north of London, and that is Barry's Midas Touch. Uh, his impact is felt across a range of sports. I want to I've interviewed Barry a, a couple of times down the years, but I remember him saying to me many moons ago that football is one where. I mean, he, the thing is, he still had success with Leighton Orient. But his point is, you need you need the billions to really uh, have an impact on football, as, as is seen at the likes of, say, Manchester City. Anyway, I, I, as you can probably tell, I could I could talk about Barry Hearn without having to look at a note or without having to do any research uh, for hours on end. Uh, he's he's he's. Such a hero, such an inspiration, such a role model. Um, I think he's absolutely wonderful. Uh, if, you, if you cannot get enough Barry, uh, please watch Gods of Snooker, the recent documentary. on. It's on iPlayer now. And uh, it's, it's Barry Hearn being very Barry Hearn. And across three episodes, it tells the story of snooker, Gods of Snooker, 
how the likes of Alex Higgins, Steve Davis, Jimmy White, and many, many more became household names. As Gary Lineker says himself, there was a period in the 80s where snooker eclipsed football uh, in terms of its popularity. Um, a remarkable man, Barry Hearn. Here he is, one of, one of my absolute all-time favourite people. Uh, enjoy. So I once went to, I, I spent time in the boardroom with you. Uh, I was at the London paper, I don't remember that. It, hello, mate, you're all right. Hello, yeah, sorry, I'm a bit late. I'll, I'm just going to put myself on, um, take myself off screen so you can carry on. Sorry about I that. I put you down as Barry Hearn at the moment, so you, the, world, <laughs> the world is looking a much better place for you, my son. <laughs> It's what, it's what I've always wanted. <laughs> yeah, no, no, listen, no, no, I understand. Dreams do You're come true, Barry. I know who you really want to be. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Sorry I'm a bit late, guys. I'll leave, I'll leave you to it. Stop my I, video. I'll be honest with you. I wish I was Barry Hearn, so I might change my name to Barry Hearn. Well, I'm beginning to wish I was Eddie Hearn, which is a bit sad, really, isn't it? You know, I mean, like, I look at his life and I look at the way he is and I think, oh, why wasn't I... Why wouldn't I like that when I was this age? I was too busy grafting my nuts off. That's probably what. Anyway. Well, I was going to say, Barry, I mean, Jesus Christ. You, I don't think you couldn't have brought any more to the uh, to the table of life, my friend. I don't think I've left. I, I'm, do, I'm doing this book at the moment. It's, it's going to be it's, it's taking me about five or six years because it's like and, and the opening line is. I honestly don't think I've wasted a second of my life. When I, mean, I think that's probably the greatest achievement of anyone. Whoever you are, whatever you've got, we're all going to run out of time one day, aren't we? We'll joke about it, but it's going to happen. But you can look back and say, I didn't really waste any of the time that God gave me. And then I think that's a, a big plus. So, yeah, I think that's my, my, my biggest achievement is I, I haven't wasted any time. Uh, I'm, I'm firmly with you. I, I was... Uh... I had a chat with a mate quite recently. By the way, you come up in conversation in my life more than you were you, more than you could ever imagine. And this friend of mine, she works in PR, and she asked me. I mean, spoiler: the answer is you. By the way, she asked me who's the most charismatic person you've ever met. Now, I've interviewed the biggest A-list movie stars, the biggest sports people, you name it. I've interviewed them, and like that, I said it. Barry Hearn. I think. I think. I don't know about you. I think charisma. Great is, way to get an interview. Let's be honest. I mean, that's a line you've come out with there. I'm going to take it. No, listen. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. And and I think the only difference, the other real difference, I, I, you do try. You get quite self-reflective as you get older. You yeah. know, you look back. And I think the reason is because I'm real. It, it's a bit like dance players now. Why has dance been so successful? A big part of that reason is because the audience can relate to the talent. And I think most people talk to me, whether they like me or not, they know I tell the truth because I'm too old to lie. They know I don't do it for the money because I've got enough that I've done. So therefore, I must be real. And working class people, which there are an awful lot of them, you know, the vast majority of people are working class, as, as am I. I think they appreciate that. You know, the fact that you can be true to yourself and, Remember where you came from, put your feet on the ground. Yeah, you're a lucky bastard. You've had it off. You've done this and that. And, you know, but but they do come back to that, that thing about trust and respect of, of who you are. And I think that's probably why. There's no pretense. If you don't like it, sod off, you know. But that's Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, you talk about luck. And I, yeah, in fact, you and I you and I have talked about luck before. I think yeah. I, I once I once I think I once said to you something like uh, normally with people, I'd say good luck, but with you, but with you, you you probably don't need luck. And you said to me, "No, son, you always need luck in this game. Always, always. You, you know, you. The, the the difference is, it's a bit deep, but bear with me. Everybody in this world is different. You know, we've all got different DNA or whatever. So it automatically follows that everybody is better at something than everybody else. The sadness is most people don't find out what that is. So that's the first obstacle to overcome. Secondly, depending on the character of you as a person, when you do find out what you're good at and when you do have that bit of luck, then it falls on you to maximise the benefits of that. And that involves, you know, it involves a bit of sacrifice, it involves a bit of creativity, and some people don't want to pay 
the price. So what I'm saying is you start off with the world and then you whittle it down to those people that we all have a bit of luck. Some of us don't recognise when that luck comes. Some of us miss the boat. Some of us don't commit, you know. But with me, I've always been 100% or nothing. So I have always committed and, and, and God smiled on me with, with bits of fortune in my life that you think, oh, that, that's a touch. That's a result, you know. Suddenly Sky launch 1990 and changed my life or Steve Davis just turned up at a snooker hall or <laughs> those sort of things happen. Now, do you take advantage of them? Do you maximise it? That's up to you as an individual. Now, what is it about you? How did you know? What was it? Was it? Was it? Could you share with me what is it about the Barry Hearn gut instinct that when, say, Steve Davis walks in or, you know, Sky Launch, I know that, that you know, there's a couple of funny stories with you and Greg Dyke. Um, what is it about you? What 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 part of your gut were you trusting? What what caused you to go in that direction? I, I mean, you, you can't take the accountant out of the accountant. You know, I mean, obviously, I've qualified young as a child again. And, and although I like to give this impression of this flamboyant showman that doesn't give a shit and just, you know, rolls to ice, the reality is, of course, entirely different. The reality is that pretty well everything is evaluated. And pretty well everything is evaluated on a risk-reward ratio. In other words, every time I came into a situation, I used to, and, and that automatically means you take into account your own perspective of, of where you are at that stage. So you look on risk-reward. Now, when you're young, like when I started young, you know, you know the story, dad's a bus driver, mum cleaned houses, no money, council yeah. house, welfare. I, my risk-reward ratio was heavily in the favour of let's take a risk because the reward had to be better. In other words, I didn't have much to lose, you know, and that puts a different, that takes away pressure from you because you think, what, what's the worst thing can happen? I, mean, I, could, I could go bust. Okay. So, well, what would that do? Put me back to where I started? That's okay. You know, <laughs> I was happy enough there. So but that changes over a period of time, you know, and, and the more successful you get, then the risk-reward ratio in your head sometimes changes. But if you've got passion, if you've got the heart and soul and the character of just saying, this is what I want to do, the risk-reward ratio goes out the window. And then, and then you're no longer an accountant. You know, you become, you know, a passionate follower or, or, you know, someone who's got the drive because it becomes your life. And as you get more and more successful, that actually expands. because You don't really care about the money anymore. You know, you... Let's assume now we're all working class folks. You know, you paid off your mortgage, you put a few quid away. No one can really tell, can they? You're going to die one day anyway. So let's do what we're passionate about. Let's 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 do what gives us that extra buzz. In my case, it was you know because I wasn't good enough to be a professional sportsman. I was good enough to be a professional promoter or manager. You know, and the risk reward went out the window because I'd already covered that. But there's different stages through your life where the risk reward element. You know, if you take a bloke married, got a mortgage, got two kids, struggling, right, and he sees an opportunity, but he's going to have to risk his family, his his house, his mortgage payments. Sometimes that's too much. That's a risk too far. So he doesn't take advantage of that opportunity because of the risk reward analysis. Sure. Yeah, and 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 I I feel sorry for those people because. You know, when, when you haven't got anything to lose, it's easy to be a big-time player and it's too easy to roll with big dice. You've got nothing to lose when you've got something or a responsibility that puts a different influence on your life. My case was a little bit different because starting off with a, a qualification, if you like, you know, um, fellow of the Institute of Chartered Accountants, I always had something to fall back on. So um, my risk reward was a little bit easier to work out and it gave me a chance to live the life I wanted to live and follow the passions that I had, you know. And then, of course, I'm smart. So I took advantage of that because I'm good at my job. Now, the, the, the charisma, where, where does that come from? Have, have you always had that charisma, Barry? I've always had a big mouth. Is that what you're really saying? You no, know? Barry, chari- charisma, this yeah. is... Now, now, one of my first ever jobs was covering Crystal Palace, home and away, right? Oh, I mean, look at that. I, I, Simon, Simon, Simon Jordan, Jordan. There you go. 
that's like Stockholm syndrome. The fact that I I wear the uh, I'm wearing the yeah. badge today. Yeah, yeah. But like, but Ian genuinely, Ian Dowie had charisma. So when he walked into a room, he had that he had that thing of you you know you could feel this energy, and you you would turn to look at him. But I yeah. don't think it's, you don't create that. I mean, that's just. I mean, people have been kind enough to say that about me. I mean, I, I listened to a Phil Taylor interview the other day. He said when Barry walked in the room, like someone turned the light on, and I and I actually think. In my quieter moments, really? Why is that? Uh, I mean, you are just yourself. You know, I think providing you can you can keep that. The most important thing is that when you're on your own, you look in the mirror and you tell the bloke you're looking at the truth and you don't get carried away with, oh, I've done this or I've made that or I've created that. You know, you tend to look. This is why I love sport because sport levels everybody off, doesn't it? You know, you can talk a great fight. When you get in the ring, you better be able to fight. <laughs> and my life's my life's a bit like that. I talk a great fight. I don't have to get in the ring, so I can't really get found out. But the only way I can get found out is by numbers. You know, people go to company's house or whatever, and they look at the business and they go, "Bloody hell, he, he must be good." So you don't have to shout about it sometimes. But being an outgoing personality is just the way you're born. You know, I was always encouraged to speak up for myself. I, I grew up with a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I was very working class and I didn't, I, I was quite resentful of people that had done well or families that had done well and had things that my family didn't have, you know. And I, it didn't make me terribly bad. It just made, it, it drove me, you know, it drove me to say, why can't I have that? You know, so you ask questions about, well, why not? I didn't want to steal it. I mean, there's, there's two or three ways you can get stuff, you know, you can go down the wrong road. Uh, short term, you might even be successful, but long term, you generally get caught, don't you? So I, I, I didn't have the balls for that. I went down the right side of the road, you know, got a qualification, worked hard, did very dedicated, extremely a work ethic that most people can't live with. And I was prepared to sacrifice things. I probably wasn't the best husband. I probably wasn't the best father early days because our risk reward ratio said if you put in the effort, Okay, you're, you're losing out a bit of family time. You can make that up, you know, but you could actually change your whole family and generations to come. And I, that drove me, you know. It, of course, I was always going to be okay because I can look after myself whichever way you want. But I wanted to make a legacy that my family didn't go through. It wasn't unpleasant what I went through. I'm not saying that. Just that I wanted to establish a different order, you know. I wanted to elevate. I wanted to protect, and that was my job as a father. Uh, and but there were sacrifices along the way. So you know, you, it's something people talk about a lot. They don't necessarily want to pay the price. I, I did pay the price, you know. When my when my son was being born, I was playing snooker. I didn't go. I didn't go to the birth. And my wife has never forgiven me. Never, never stopped talking about it. <laughs> But it was, but what it was, it was a statement of the price I was prepared to pay to achieve the goals I set out, and 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 that doesn't suit everybody. But in terms of charisma, is as you're pushing yourself, you develop a personality because you have to. You're driven, you know. You're a salesman. You're a promoter. You're trying to tell everybody things. You're trying to influence. And if you can't talk or you can't have that little glow about you, then you won't make it to. Stage two, if you like, you know, it's all about levels and how far you're prepared to go. And the charisma stuff and the personality just comes with the job because if if you're successful, you've got it, and if you haven't got, if you're not successful, you didn't get invited in that room to start with. Sure. What, what was the what was the moment when you realised? Oh, hang on a minute. This is things are going really well here because you know I know about I know about the you know the origin story if you like and. And that 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 time where you met where where you meet Steve Davis and your life changes. But what was the moment where you realise this juggernaut is really gathering speed? I think it's yesterday. I think uh, (laughs) every day. You know, someone once much cleverer than me said we're only limited by our own imagination. So at different stages of your life, you 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 pat yourself on the back. You say you've done well, don't you? So average working class guy, what, what is that stage? Well, maybe it's paying off your mortgage, so you're your house. That's a, that's a massive statement, you know. I mean, I make no excuses for being a Thatcherite. 
because I wanted to own things. I, I didn't want to be taxed on this planet. I wanted to be incentivized. And then I was prepared to work. So when did, when did you know you made it? I think 1982 was the first time I did a deal. When I sold my snooker clubs, I made a load of money. It was seven figures and I was 34. And I, was, I thought I'd, I'd retire. Yeah. And I realised this after about six weeks of just playing cricket and golf and fishing, which is about what I'm doing at the moment, by the way. So it goes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Although I can't move every morning, I can't move anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, at that stage, 1982, I thought I'd made it. You know, Steve Davis was there. I, I was making loads. I'd made a huge amount of money for that, that age. Uh, and then later on, you know, lost it all pretty well. Um, doing what I was passionate to do. And actually, the, looking back on it, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me who I am, gave me character, re- refusal to give up, you know, bollocks to everybody and I'm going to get there one way or the other. That type of attitude, which is, you know, what we're famous for in this country, I think. You know, we're a fighting nation, aren't we? As we've seen with COVID, as we saw with the World War Two, you know, I mean, when our back's against the wall, we're our most dangerous, and, and I am as well. And then you, you get into that stage of running what you call a proper business, which I, I never wanted to have a proper business. I wanted to have a fun business that made some money. And then, of course, it expands. You have to become, you know, you've got responsibilities to staff and suppliers and broadcasters, and it just gets bigger and bigger. And every day, I mean, every day, I think, how on earth did this happen? You know, I walk around my garden, I think, Bazza, you have bang at it off, son. You have. And I talk to myself all the time like some demented old man, you know, because I'm so happy. Uh, yeah, I'm happy wherever it goes because I've got the right people running the business. I've got children that are thoroughly involved. It's, it's not about it's not about the money. It's, it, it, uh, it's easy for people with money to say it's not about the money, you know. I used to hate that when I was younger and I would skip. But at the same time, you can understand that every day is the dawn of a new era for me. And, and I find that so motivating. I found COVID motivating because all of a sudden we're an events company with no events and all the work you put in for the last 30 odd years. And you think, we don't know where it's going to go. I mean, please God, looks like we're getting out of it. But a year or so ago, is that the end of the world? Was that some? You just don't know, do you? So you give it hundred percent, and you refuse to surrender. I mean, we, we did more events during the COVID period than we do in a normal year. We went behind closed doors. We got creative. We, yep. But we kept people working. That's all I was thinking about. I, no one's going to hurt me. Only God can take me. That's all. But the people I work with, sportsmen and women, without my events, they don't they don't put bread on the table for their family. So there's a huge responsibility on us to carry on, which we did. And we, we carried on and we carried on successfully. I and mean, we made money during COVID, just, you know, which not too many businesses can probably say that. But we did it because we and we did it on the basis of it's seven days in this week, it's 24 hours in every day. We will not be beaten. We will not give up. And one way or another, you know, we have problems with the government, we have problems with stage and public health, blah, blah, blah. We'll get through it and we'll do it right. But we did it for the reason of keeping everybody going. And look, as I say, please God, now, you know, we're coming out of it. And we're coming out of it a better company and better people. And we appreciate things that COVID has taken away from us at a family level, at a business level. And we look back. We will look back on this time and say, do you remember? But we'll look back with pride in a way. I mean, it's been a tragedy for, you know, 127,000 families, you, know, you can't you can't buy that. You can't underestimate that. But the, the, the pressure that we've been under, we will come through. That you know we're coming through this, and we come through it the right way. So you know, hats off to everybody. And in the event business, you know, the thought of crowds coming back—it's like any relationship. After a while, you take it for granted, don't you? You get a bit complacent, and 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 then suddenly you some you lose something, or it's taken away from you, and you realise then what it meant to you. And that's how I would describe COVID more than anything else. And that makes me more excited. And when you say, when did I know I cracked it? I might find out tomorrow. And if not, it might be the day after. Barry, mate, this, now this is the charisma I'm talking about. You make John F. Kennedy look like an amateur when it comes to 
uh, skills as an orator, my friend. Um, now, you, you mentioned Steve Davis there. Steve Davis is, like you, is someone I look up to a great deal. Now, I, I think that Steve Davis, this sounds ridiculous, almost doesn't get that. You know, in this country, we like to champion the underdog. We like to champion the, per, the sports person that never quite fulfilled the potential. To me, Steve Davis is, is the sporting icon that, you know, I've got two young girls. They're going to get into sport, whether they like it or not. He's the kind of guy that we should all look up to. He had a talent. He worked his absolute nuts off. Yeah. He, he he ran out every single drop of talent that he had, and he achieved what he achieved through hard work, dedication. Surely Steve is the guy that we should all really look up to. I agree. I mean, I think that the, the message there to everybody is, is pretty straightforward is just be the best you can be. Don't leave, don't leave anything on the table. You know, when you talk in terms of effort or whatever, just be the best you can be. And if that's stacking shelves in Sainsbury's, fine. If that's the best you can be. But don't ever, don't put limits on it. With, with Steve, early doors, because his dad was so influential to him and his dad was a hard taskmaster, but, you know, obviously loved his son and wanted the best for him. But he installed the dedication into Steve, which was probably already there. And he made sacrifices. He, he, there was no nightclub girlfriend or anything like that, Steve, until his mid-twenties, I think, you know, because he, he, he focused on what he, he had. That, he had a talent and he, and he made the most of that talent. And again, that, that still comes down to be the best you can be. You, you're born with certain attributes. Who knows what they are? They change individual by individual. Just, just make the most of them and keep working on them and find out how good you can be, set yourself targets. Davis has ended up, to me, and Steve doesn't give a monkey about this, by the way, Harry is not Sir Steve Davis. Oh, he is, without, he is without doubt the greatest sporting ambassador this country has ever seen. You know, over the generations of going all over the world, not just spreading snooker, spreading the British way of life, spreading the professionalism, spreading, you know, when people look at snooker, they, they think, oh, snooker, that's a big sport, you know. Oh, the World Championship is incredible. How many people think, oh, the Chinese have invested billions and billions of pounds into Sheffield? What was that? What was that? Oh, actually, part of that is due to snooker. You know, we have, we have, we have created a generation of, 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 of trade ties with China and other places around the world on the back of sport. People don't think it through. Like they just look at it as a short-term sport. But then you look at Steve, who's never, never asked for more. He don't, you know, even when he got his MBE and his OBE, we used to talk about it. I used to say to him, it's not fair. How can you get an MBE and OBE? I've got nothing now, of course. They've given me an OBE. I'm very grateful. But I was taking 20% of Steve's. People don't know that. He was never MBE. He was MB. I had BE. <laughs> you know? And we used to, you know, I used to say to him, no, I gave it back. The other day I said, you can have the E back, you know, because I've got my own one now. I don't need you. But he should be, you know, not for any other reason, but to set, Set the message out there. We appreciate what you've done. Because Steve Davis was as much at home talking to the Queen Mother as he was a docker from Scotland. That's yes. the type of man he was. And he spread a sport and he did a job. One of the things I am so, I mean, I'm biased because he's my best mate. has been for 30 odd years. Uh, I said the other day, we're like an old married couple now. We don't talk as much as we used to. But when we need each other, we know where we are, which is nice. And when... I look at him now, where is my hero? And I'm trying to follow his footsteps. When we started together, I used to educate Steve on the ways of the world because he didn't know anything at all. And he needed someone loud and physical around him. It gave him a balance, made him feel safe. Over a period of years, any, any education I gave him stopped. And he started educating me. And even today, now, I'll come along. We talk about this semi-retirement, blah, blah, blah. Davis has completely moved away from snook and started a new life in the world of music. And it's, he has adapted to change better than anybody. And he's got this wonderful attitude of, you know, let's just do what you want to do. Let's do. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. 
Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. What makes you happy, and if you're good enough, it will make other people happy as well. And, and that's probably where Matrim, for me, evolved to. But now the young guns in natural sport, my son and Matthew Paul on the darts, Emily Fraser on special events, Steve Dalton on snooker, Frank Smith on boxing, it's their time. Everyone has a time, you know, and my time now is to utilise it in a different way. I'll still be involved in the business. I'm event strategy and global developments, what I'm quite good at. Well, I'm not quite good. I'm absolutely brilliant, you know, no question. Uh, but... It's up to the youngsters now to say, for, for Baza to say, go on, off you go. It's fascinating watching people develop in the same way as watching a sportsman develop from a four-round boxer to a world champion boxer. To be involved with that journey is not about money. It's about the buzz. And I'm getting the same buzz on business. I'm looking at these kids I put in charge now. They're not kids, 30s and 40-year-olds. Your turn. Go and show me. Go and show me. I'm desperately trying to stay quiet, you know. I want them to make mistakes. I want them to learn. And I want them to take the company to the next level, and they will, which is why I'm never satisfied because I'm playing a game to win. It's a long-term game. It's not, as I say, the money is in the, in the mixture, but it's actually a game of beating last year, getting bigger, getting better, entertaining more people, pushing up the TV ratings, selling more tickets, seeing more smiles on people's faces when they talk about sport and hopefully inspiring the next generation not to abandon sport in front of a, a you know a, a game boy or some game boxing xbox in their bedroom i want to get them out i want to get them playing because i know what it does to character it builds character and character is what's got through the covid and that has repercussions for generations ahead so sport is an integral part of that and it's overdue that the government listen a little bit more as i'm now in a position to nag them more and more we need to get behind opportunities for everyone, irrespective of where they come from. Sport has no racial problems, no sexual problems, really, not in the bigger picture, because we, we're on a, about ability. Ability, you can't, you can't hide it. And ability makes the difference. And that's why sport is so important and an integral part of our life. I mean, in terms of character, how often do you cast your mind back to those... To me, uh, you know, looking at Barry Hearn's life, those formative years when you and Steve were were hustling and 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 uh, visiting the clubs. Do you, do you do you do you let the mind wander much? Because oh, to me, that, nice. that that just feels magical. As you get older, you wander all the time. You know, <laughs> you do get more reflective and bore people shitless, telling them stories about things that happened before. And the number of times I tell people stories now, they go, "I wasn't even born then." You realise, oh shit, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. I, I live on those moments. They were, in so many ways, the best moments of my life. I'll bet. Because it was two council house kids against the world, you know, one with ability, one with a bit of a motor mouth. But we weren't going to be denied. Steve wasn't going to be denied on the table, and I, I didn't care. I didn't care what type of flack I took, you know. I just loved it. I can't tell you how much I loved it. You know, whether we were wandering around snookles in the middle of the night, trying to lay off a, a thousand pound bet somewhere or 
you know, having a fight in the car park afterwards because someone's just got beat 7 0 and they didn't know who Steve Davis was. <laughs> they found out when they died to play for money. You know, I mean, now we're legitimate, proper people, but in the old days, we were just two scallywags, really, but we had a bit of ability, you know. And it, we never stopped laughing. Listen, we never stopped laughing. People say, you and Davis built snooker globally. Yeah, we did. We went to Thailand. We went to China. We we went to Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong. It was everywhere. The thing was, we didn't go out there saying we're going to spread snooker. We went out there to have fun and having fun and being good, being promoted properly, spread the game. But it wasn't the primary factor. It was the secondary factor. The primary factor in everyone's life is to enjoy yourself as much as you can because you ain't here forever. If you can actually get a living as well, I mean, happy days, you, you bang at it off, my son. Now, this is, what I'm about to ask you, I've, I've mentioned this before, and you were very much like, for God's sake, if I had a pound every time someone had mentioned Snooker Loopy. But, I've got, I, I, but as someone who's 42 years old, I was, the, I was like the perfect age for that. But I mean, that, that, that was a moment in your life where you, there's a phrase that David Letterman uh, used to use about having the world by the tail. I, I love that phrase. But that must have been a time in your life, you know, top of the pops, all of that. You must have felt like you had the world by the time. I mean, we, I mean, it was also new to us because we were learning on the job, really. I mean, suddenly, you know, the BBC made snooker in, in colour television. It took off. I got involved. Steve got, you know, BBC gave it coverage. And it all grew from there. So it was just a question of exploitation. You know, and I would say, I'd say what, what do you do next? All right, we do overseas tours. All right, well, we'll... We'll organise that, Bubba. And then we'll do, I mean, we started doing the, in various merchandise endorsements, whether it's aftershave or slippers or duvet covers or yeah. whatever. And then I'm just sitting in the office thinking, okay, you know, you've got time to think. What's next? What's next? And you generally, you generally look around at what, I mean, this is giving you inside knowledge here, but you look around what's happened in the past and what's worked in the past and then you just copy it. Basically. So, you know, I'd been involved in the fashion business in the early 70s doing textile. Another another day, another story. But what I've seen is people like Mary Quant selling her name to a range for a percentage of turnover. So I adopted that principle into Matrim merchandise. You know, we, we'll give you the PR, we'll give you the name, the brand value, but we'll take a percentage, and it, and it worked. One of the things, of course, along that scale was Every now and again, a little catchy song comes out, whether it might be World Cup football or whatever, yeah. that, that, that does well. And I knew Chaz and Dave reasonably no, I knew them reasonably well because I was half a fan. I, I love the, the sing-along pop music. Yeah. You know, and I just phoned Chaz up and said, Chaz, I, I need a song, mate. And he went, what do you mean? I said, look, snooker's booming, you know. I'm looking at different things. And one, there's a gap. And the gap is I need a song. Can you write can you write me a song? And he would tell me about the players and we had a chat and all that. And he came up with Snooker Loopy and, of course, number four, five, six in the charts. And when you was young, I used to park up sometimes outside my kids' school and the kids would be singing it as they left school. And I'm like, can you believe we've done this? I mean, we, we, we shouldn't have followed it up with the Rodford rap because it was appallingly bad and never told anything. But at the, it's, it's a question of gain in business and in life. There's a time and a place to do something, and you mustn't miss those opportunities. And I don't think I missed too many so far. Well, you know, and then it was. Um, I'm also I'm well aware that you're being very generous with your time here. And if I'm not, you know, obviously if I'm not careful, I can't really live every day of your life because I appreciate that it'll be, you know, it'll be 2023 ruins um, the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, actually, I mean, about the book, what what can you what can you share about the book then? Yeah, I mean, it's it's script publishers at the moment. Um, uh, it may be out later this year before Christmas, or it may be next year. There's there's no clearing much. I, I was never going to write a book, um, but about four or five years ago, my daughter, who's very down to earth and got to appreciate their life has changed. And what she said to me, Dad, you've got to write something down for the grandchildren because they won't, because of what you've done, they won't appreciate where you came from, the lessons to learn, and I don't want them to take it. And she's a good mother. She said, I don't want them to take it for granted without realising the story behind it. And and that was what started me. And then, of course, once you start doing it, I've been on it for four or five years now, 
you know, you just, I go fishing, I take a tape recorder with me and I just talk into it and a, a very good writer called Nick Pitt who was with the Sunday Times for 30 years has been a pal. He just said, I'd love to do it. You know, it, it, it's not, again, not going to benefit anyone financially other than we have a family charity foundation, the money will go there. But, you know, it, it was just a, I'm reading its final, final copies through. I'm still changing words, individual sure. words, you know, to try and make it real. When Steve Davis wrote his first book, um, of many, uh, we spent a year on that, literally going through it word by word to make sure it was accurate. And that was important because it was his story. And when and if this book comes out, that will be my story and it will be my handwriting and my words right the way through because I've done, it's not being done for money. It's being done to say, look, I've had a cracking time. You might find this interesting. Have a, li- have a, have a little listen and, or, or, a, or a read. So, you know, it's just it's a, good, it's a good thing to do. It's quite refreshing. And, of course, you do relive all those moments and you end up, I end up with like, oh, a tear in my eye or a smile on my face or my fists are clenched because I remember that. I, you know, there's all the emotions run out. And so it's, it's purely a selfish exercise for me just to, just to make a statement and, and say to the next generations of Hearns, oi, oi, when he's not here and you're sitting in your nice house having a glass of something nice, put a little toast up to Baza, will you? Because uh, he might have had something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, I expect you, and I say with all my grandchildren now, I expect you to do what your dad and your mum are doing. Be the best you can and take it, if possible, to another level. And that's what Eddie's doing on as, chair, as the new chairman. You know, he's, he's your age, 41, coming up to 42. It's his time. And I'm a big believer in his time. It's time for me to jot down a few thoughts on the world. People like it, people don't like it. I don't really give a monkey. I'm doing it for me. Now, uh, I've, I've got to ask, so I, I'm from a, a very a regular listeners will be groaning because I say this most episodes, from a single parent, working class, northern family. Now, a problem I've got, I've got two young girls. What is the secret, Barry, uh, to ensuring those kids don't end up spoiled? That is a battle I've got every day. How the hell have you, how have you managed that? Something I've managed it. And I won't find out whether I've managed it for ages. As, as kids, they are spoiled. They're spoiled rotten. Spoiled rotten. And you know the, the conflict is that we as parents, we want to give, don't we? We want to give our children something. We want to give them a good life. And inevitably that involves a level of spoil. I mean, but what you're trying to hope that is within that DNA, as they mature, as they become more, as they're prepared to listen, that maybe you can teach them I don't want to. I don't want to teach my children or my grand or my grandchildren. I don't want to teach them how to live in poverty. I, you know, I want to spoil them, but I want something in there. I was always worried about that with my own children. You know, where I grew up is entirely different world to how they grew up. And I was convinced at some stage. I thought Eddie in particular was going to be a disaster. You know, he was loud as me, mouthy as me, grown up in that environment. I was taken into boxing shows when he was nine, ten yeah. years old. You know, been all <clears throat> I took I think you, you remember the story. I, when he was sixteen, I, he was a decent heavyweight as a kid. And I took him in the gym and said, We're we're gonna have a proper fight. And his mother went berserk, you know, and I said, No, I need to find out what I've got here because this kid's gonna go one way or the other. You know, I wasn't sure how strong his DNA was for being a you know a decent person, but I didn't like some of the things I was seeing. And uh, he stopped me in the second. Well, it was a proper fight. I mean, small gloves, proper fight. I was trying to knock his head off. Don't worry about that. And people don't understand that. You know, people say to me, "How can you hit your son?" Easy, easy. I'll find out what I got him. If I hit him and he cries, or I hit him and he sulks, or he don't come back. Then, then it, it tells me I'm still going to love him. I'm still going to look after him. I wanted to know. He stopped me in the second round, dropped me twice with body shots. I went home that day happier than he did, you know, and because I knew I had some, I knew I had someone I could rely on. And I, trust me, when I tell you, I hit him with one shot. I think he would have knocked out most people. 
he was 16 and he took it and came forward straight away. So, you know, in my world, and I'm not saying it's worked for everybody, I answer questions. But still, I, whilst I knew he had the character, it was a question of influencing that character to make sure that he understood the desire to be the best he can be. And that, that's what I put in. It's not a question of how much you spoil them. That, that's just an excuse. We spoil them because we love them. But what we still want to install in them is be the best you can be. Now, some people want to be the best priest, the best nurse, yep. the best vet. It doesn't matter. Very few people want to be the best entrepreneur because it involves risk and different types of – some people are not comfortable with that. It's okay. But just whatever you do, if you're a Coleman, be the best Coleman you can be. If you're a teacher, be the best teacher. You'll get more out of your life. If we can install that in our children, it doesn't matter with sport because their basic principle will come through. I mean, you know, as Derek Trotter would say, uh, Eddie's got both feet on the te- on the old terracotta. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've inter- <laughs> yes. I mean, I've interviewed Eddie before, and, I, and it's a real testament to you that he's as grounded as yeah. he is. Because in a parallel universe, that can that goes a different way, doesn't it? You know, he, he ends up some sort of pampered emperor. Well, he ends up sticking stuff up his nose, or gambling, or drinking, or fraternising with the wrong. But you know, that can happen. You know. But if you've got a focus on what you're going to do, that's the, that, that, that overcomes all of that, you know. From the age of nine, he used to sit behind my shoulder while I was having rows on the phone with Don King and Bob Arum, Frank Warren, whatever. He loved it. He loved it. He'd come to shows. He'd come to the gyms. You can see he's feeding off it. So he had a focus. And the, the difference with spoiled people that just don't work, don't have the drive, don't well, of course they're going to go down the wrong road, aren't they? Because they've got nothing to do with their time. If you've got focus to be the best you can be, as I say, whatever discipline that is, then you'll be okay. You'll be okay because you'll set yourself different levels. With Eddie's level, it's easy. Eddie wants to smash me up just like he did when he was 16. He wants to build a bigger business that everyone goes, you know, I mean, I've taken the piss out of him for years about Silver Spoon Kid. There you go. Here's a few quid. <laughs> now it's the other way around. You know, now the company, Matram, has grown. You know, I said to him the other day, you know, it's amazing. This, this company's nearly 40 years old. And look what we've become. We started underneath a billy doll snooker in, in Romford with one girl. Now we're one of, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, sports promotion company in the world. Where did that come from? And Eddie's gone, yeah, if you look at the profits growth, it came from when I started with you about 12 years ago. <laughs> you know, he's still got the front, you know, but it gives him the focus to play the game. And the game is all about being the best you can be. Um, uh, the, uh, through you, I once got sent down to fight Tony Oki, the Oki Koki for Prize Fighter. Uh, so this was quite, this was a lot of years ago. And he could, he could tell I was nervous. I was down there. I barely slept, I barely slept a wink. And he came over to me before the we did three rounds, three minutes, just like prize fighter. And he's like, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Well, I'm about to get in the ring with you." I said, I "Barely slept last night." He, and he's laughing. He goes, "Legally, I'm not allowed to lay a glove a glove on you. Don't worry." I'm not, I'm not like my shoulders dropped. I was like, "Oh, thank God for that." So I, you know, get all take his corner man's my corner man, and I get you know, I'll get the you know helmet on and all that. Uh, ding ding. He comes into the middle, first thing, smash right in my face. Uh, and then I, look, oh. and I, I like saw stars for a few seconds, and then I looked up, and his, his headgear was shaking because he was laughing so much. So he, he spent three rounds. I mean, obviously, he was pulling his punches, but he spent three rounds absolutely mullering me. It was, it was, it was, honestly, it was one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. Yeah, it will be. I mean, listen, I, I grew up wanting to be heavyweight champion in the world when I was seven. Yeah, but but then I found out later on I wasn't any good. I didn't start even sparring until I was twenty-seven because I was building a business. I I, I was useless. I used to come home every night battered. Uh, my wife used to say, "What are you doing?" You know, you said no because it's it's one against one. It's another test. It's another character. And and you know, you know, listen, I, I couldn't I couldn't punch my way out of a paper bag. It didn't stop me enjoying the competition and the elements and the appreciation of how good the other bloke was because in comparison to me, they all look like Muhammad Ali. Absolutely. Now, now, now before you go, um, the la- one of the last times I chatted with you, and, I, and I'm going back probably more than a decade, so everything, obviously it goes without saying, 
everything that you've touched turns to gold. Your track record, you know, is remarkable. Boxing, snooker, darts, fishing, on and on and on and on. Now, one of the last things you mentioned to me all those years ago was you 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 were trying with table tennis. Did you did you give it because you, you said to me that Madison Square Garden back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, firstly, you've got to say that not everything I touch turns to gold. What I'm really good at is when I have a little disaster, I keep it quiet so people like you don't find out. <laughs> That, 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 that's the most important thing. Control. I remember years ago I cancelled an event and uh, some new snooker series or something I cancelled and uh, I did the press release at 4.45 during the football you know, just to keep it quiet. So it's not, it's, not, it's not a question of, you know, everything you touch turns to gold. It doesn't work like that. What it does do is that, you know, you maximise... Big, the big pluses, obviously, you make the most of it. And we live in a media-savvy world, so you've got to control the media as much as you can. And in today's world, with social media, that gives us a lot more opportunity to put across the stories, lines that we want to put across and to grow the personalities we want and to publicise the events. Today is a, a different world. You know, when when Eddie first took over boxing, they said to him on his first show, can give us one of the posters that, you know, that we used to stick up outside tube stations and whatever. And he looked at me and said, Dad, we don't do posters anymore. <laughs> the world's moved on. So everything is digital, everything is social media. And, and that's a progression, what we've seen, and that's why new ideas have to be listened to all the time. And, and people like me must listen. You know, in the early days, I didn't listen enough. Now, I listen all the time because I'm... As, as Gladstone said on his deathbed, I'm a learner all my life. And in the world we live in today, there's a lot to learn and keep up with. Did, did you pursue the table tennis then? Or did you realise I... That well, maybe... we're, we're, still doing, we're still doing the ping-pong world championships. Uh, again, it's, we, we have three... We always give everything three, four, five years. And that's had five or six years now. Uh, we're analysing all the time about... Are we wasting our time with it? Is it showing growth? And if it's showing growth, then we'll make more investment. And there are occasions when we say, no, um, this is not working out. This is not giving us a buzz, in which case those resources that we put into that event will be better used elsewhere. That's an evaluation that's going on at the moment. And certainly with that, I think temping bumps, you use you use them to see whether you want to get deeply involved. The deeply involved is creating a whole structure like we did with darts and snooker and ping pong and things like that. Those events are not yet worthy of that investment. Uh, now, now, one last thing. How, how, how has it been recently um, handing that crown over? Um, what, what, what was that like? It's weird. It's really weird because... When you've been a control freak like me, to actually pass that responsibility on and then to discipline yourself to act differently, you know, it's not. We used to have a rule if Bazza don't like it, it don't happen, right? So those days are gone. You know, the, the crown has been passed on. I respect the ability of those that have picked up the mantle and the, the challenge, in particular, Eddie. And I'm doing my best not to stick my nose into too many things and I'm failing every now and again. But this is part of the plan, you know. The moment for me, it's cricket and golf and fishing and a little bit of work and talking to people like you, you know, that's a nice life. Um, I'm confident in the management I've left. I will be watching over them for some time. And every day I will be a little less involved, but that's from a very high peak of involvement. So it may take me some time to completely pass over full responsibility. But I think for the next year, it's a sort of watch and see what the new management does. Uh, let them make mistakes, let them learn, but at the same time, steer them when my advice is required. And they're all sensible enough people to know that I may still have a little bit of usage left in me. So if you've got an asset that doesn't cost you any money, don't hesitate to use it. 
Uh, and they will do that. They, they're, they're respectful of and they're appreciative of my knowledge and what I can do. And at the same time, I've got to be very prepared to pass more and more responsibility over them. It will take a period of time for me to get used to it because it's very different to my life. But I'm enjoying the process and I'm going to, I'm, I'm every confidence that they will actually take our company to another level because they're all very good operators. Uh, Barry, uh, about 10 years ago, I launched this company. It's called Always Be Comedy. We do these comedy nights in South London. When uh, when the pandemic happened, we moved them online. We've done something like 200 uh, online shows. And down the years, uh, you have no idea what uh, an influence and an inspiration you've been. And so uh, to chat with you once again, as you can probably tell, I'm, uh, it's meant the world. So thanks for everything, not just today, but everything that you've done down the years. Um, from the from my heart, thank you, Barry. Listen, I've seen what you've been doing because it's been quite well reported on, and you've shown exactly the spirit we were talking about before. The refusal to give in and just pack up, put your head in the sand, and say, "Wake me up when it's over." Does not sit well with us. So, well done to you as well. Nice to chat to you. Let's not give it ten years before we chat again, and you keep well and healthy and enjoy your life. Bless your heart, sir, and uh, congrats with the book and good luck. Thanks, mate. Cheers later. God bless, Barry. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Thank bye, you bye, so bye. much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Huge and heartfelt thanks to the uh, the great Barry Hearn. What a, an honour and a privilege it was to uh, to speak with, as I say, someone I find hugely uh, inspirational. I think, I, sorry, I said this is your life, and you know, as if Barry sat next to me. Uh, huge, huge fan of Barry. If you've enjoyed the episode, and I really hope that you took some inspiration from that as well. Um, I think Barry's one of those guys, if you're ever feeling remotely down in the dumps, I think five minutes of Barry Hearn, and you, I think you'd be ready to uh, be ready to conquer the world. He's, he's, he's that kind of guy. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please spread the word. Tell your friends we are at Balance LD, and I'm at James Gill Comedy. Um, as I say, if you need a bit more Barry in your life, please do check out uh, Gods of Snooker on iPlayer. It is it is such a wonderful documentary series. If you want to find out more about Matchroom Sports, uh, you can visit matchroom.com. Uh, for over 40 years, we've been bringing unparalleled value to our... Oh, and then it cuts off. I mean, that's... You know what? I've done everything off the top of my head. The one time... <laughs> there is a lesson there. Ah, here we go. Uh, for over for over forty years, we've been bringing unparalleled value to our sponsors, massive audiences for our TV broadcast partners, and excitement to our sports fans. Uh, we are one of the world's largest suppliers of sports programming, supplying virtually every major broadcaster of sports in the world. Twelve sports, six hundred and fifty events, days, and counting, two thousand five hundred hours of original programming each year and 20,000 hours of, of available programming. Um, it's it's a great story. Barry's is a great story. Um, and uh, it's, it's just always such a, a privilege to spend any time in Barry's company. Huge and heartfelt thanks to you all, as always. I've been James Gill. Have a great week. Goodbye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? 
All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.